You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited uh, for all that God is doing in the earth. I'm telling you what, you can make a decision. I tell everybody around here all the time, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Uh, you know, if you read the news, if, you, if you're if you sitting there watching CNN or Fox News or ABC, NBC, and you see all that's going on in this crazy world, uh, the storms, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the, the you, now we've got uh, today, I, I watched some things, uh, what's going on up in Minneapolis. I mean, it is easy to get distracted. It is easy to, to get down, but I'm going to tell you what, it's even easier to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon his name, and know that he has a greater plan in store for us. Amen. So uh, I'm glad that you've joined us on this podcast. My heart's desire is to, to bring you a message of hope each and every week that will stir your hearts. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go to 2 Samuel chapter 14, 2 Samuel 14. Uh, I want to kind of bring you up to speed on some things uh, with this. Uh, some of you have made that follow us on a regular basis. Some of this you may have, have heard a little bit before, but uh, I just really want to share with you uh, what, what God has really laid on my heart. We have started, as I record this, we have been in the wedding, uh, that's what we're calling it, is the wedding revival, and uh, we, we've already been in it for a week and it is going strong. Many lives have been changed and transformed. If you have not been aware of it, please visit our website, find out more about the wedding event, and uh, come and join us and tell some people about it. So 2 Samuel chapter 14, let me bring you up to speed right now, okay? Uh, first, you need to understand that God desires us to only be married to one person. In this life, it's one man to one woman, or one woman to one man. That is how God intended marriage to be. Now in the spiritual, it is us to him. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. There are no other gods. There's nobody else that we should be tied to. We should trust the Lord our God with all of our heart. So King David was, a, uh, was, was called by God to be king of Israel. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel. He was protected by God and he was blessed by God to do great things. Now, as his power and his fame began to grow, he, he started marrying many wives and had many children with these many different wives. King David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. David was married and so was Bathsheba. Bathsheba got pregnant and David tried to cover it up. When his plan failed, he had her husband Uriah killed. So now not only is David a, an adulterer, David is also a murderer. David is also a liar because David tried to cover these things up. But when David called out to God with a true heart, when David asked God with everything that was in him to forgive him, God forgave him. We know that the apostle Paul says of King David that he was a man after God's own heart. You're sitting there telling me, you say, pastor, are you saying that a man that lied, a man that, 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 that murdered, a man that had multiple wives, a man that shed much blood, a man that lied, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart, not because of his sin, but because of his, 
his, his willingness to repent, his willingness to cry out to God, his willingness to be serious. I think what happens so many times is people call out to God when they get in a bad situation, but the reality is they don't really want to change. David truly wanted to change. He truly wanted to be uh, uh, forgiven by God and to, to see his life transformed. The issue that many struggle with, though, is the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping in Galatians 5, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So in other words, if I sow a kernel of corn, I will reap a stalk of corn more than I sowed. If I sow a tomato seed, I will reap a tomato vine more than I sowed. If I have sowed an apple seed, I will reap an apple tree more than I sowed. If I sowed sin, I will reap the punishment for that sin more than I sowed. So God forgave King David, but there were consequences to his actions. King David's son, Amnon, from his wife that was from Jezreel, Amnon ends up raping David's daughter, Tamar. Tamar's mother was another woman, Makkah. So Tamar also had an older brother, Absalom. Okay, so let me say this again. Amnon, one of David's sons from one of his wives, rapes David's daughter Tamar, which is from one of David's other wives. Tamar had a brother. His name was Absalom. When Absalom finds out that Amnon raped Tamar, Absalom then kills Amnon. And then he takes off and he runs and he's gone in exile for three years. After three years, King David's general Joab goes to David and asks him to allow Absalom to return, and David agrees. But just because he allowed Absalom to come back into the land, he did not allow him to come back into the family to speak to him, to invite him to dinners, to spend time. Absalom was banished. So Joab sends a wise woman in to speak to King David, and, and she and Joab devise a story uh, about her two sons. It's a story that Joab tells her to tell King David. The story goes like this. One of her sons killed another one of her sons in an argument. Now because of the law, the law says that this son must be killed himself. She goes to David. She says, David, I am a widow woman, and the only person that I have left to care for me is my son. King David feels sympathy for her, and King David makes a command that he says that this living son should not be punished or harmed for his actions, but he should be given grace. The woman looks at King David, and she admits, she says, what I have told you is just a story, but it is representative of you and your son. Your son has done bad, King David, but you have uh, were willing to give grace to my son and not punish him. King David, you need to do the same to your son. You need to offer some grace and forgiveness. So we pick this story up in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. She says, For we surely die and become like water, spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. David sinned, but God forgave him of his sin when he asked, when he repented, when he turned from his evil, when he was serious about his repentance, God forgave him, but there was still some reaping and sowing. 
His sowing was the death and rebellion of his children, but now David's turn to forgive, and God forgave him and offered much grace. Some of us uh, are like King David. We have been forgiven much, but we, we fail to forgive others that have hurt us the way that we have been forgiven from God. Listen, it is our sin that put God on the that put Jesus on the cross. It was our sin that he died for. Yet he extended us much forgiveness and much grace. There have been people that have hurt us, but nowhere near what Jesus suffered on the cross, and we must be willing to forgive them because we will never be forgiven lest we are forgiven uh, we forgive those that have sinned against us. There are three things I want you to understand from this passage of Scripture right here in 2 Samuel 14, 14. Number one, we are all going to die and then the judgment. We are all going to die and then the judgment. The woman of Tekoa, the wise woman, went to David about the urgency of reconciliation. The scripture says, for we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. What she is saying is she's saying, King David, we're all going to die. Then the opportunity for reconciliation is over. Do it now. The, the need for reconciliation is now. Jesus says, and he understands, come to me now that you may be reconciled. If there are people that have sinned against you, you need to go to them now and get your heart right with God. We cannot wait. Death is definitely coming, and we don't know the day or the hour that it will come. What am I trying to say? We need to be reconciled to God now. The word reconciliation or to be reconciled is a fancy word that means to be made right with. We need to be made right with God. We need to make sure that we are right in right standing with God. But this is the deal. We can't do it. Nothing we can do, no amount of good deeds, no amount of money, no amount of I'm sorry will get it done. It takes sacrifice. Not your sacrifice nor mine, but God's sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, 28 says, It is appointed for man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. God sacrificed it all when he came into the world in the form of flesh, in the form of Jesus. He sacrificed it all when he died on the cross for you and I. He made a way for you and I to be reconciled, made right with him through the blood, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judged thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. Jesus died for us all. And then the Bible says, And those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for you and I, and he rose again, that we may be reconciled to the Father. God reconciled us to himself through the death of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer enemies. We are no longer ungodly sinners or powerless. Instead, the love of God has, been made, has made a way for you and I to come back to Jesus if we would just come to him, if we would repent of our sins, if we would be serious 
about repenting. The whole message of reconciliation is centered around the love of God and the death of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Reconciliation or salvation that came from God through Christ and has been passed on to us. We are all going to die and none of us know when. That is why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.2, Behold, now is the accepted, accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. We need to get right with God today. We're all going to die. We don't know when, but it will happen. And we need to know that we know that we know that we are ready that we are right with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are right with God through the shed blood of Jesus. If you don't know, today is that day of salvation to reconcile yourself unto the Father. We're all going to die. Number two, all of us have been banished. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 14, 14, Yet God does not take away life, but he devises a means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Another word for banished is exiled or displaced. Because of our sin, we have been separated. We have been displaced. We have been exiled from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear it. Listen, when we're in sin, there's only one prayer that God hears, and that's the prayer of repentance. It's the prayer of salvation. Any other prayer that you pray when you are in sin won't go any higher than the ceiling. The only prayer that God hears when we are in sin is the, is the prayer of repentance. We need to pray, and we need to get right with God. We, we, we need to understand that, that, that God desires for us to be saved, but He desire, we, we first must go to Him and repent of our sins. When we are under the chastisement of God, living in our sin, we will feel exiled and separated and distant. Feelings of loneliness, depression, and anxiety are the things that the world will try to diagnose people with, but the reality is it is sin. Can Christian people struggle with depression and anxiety? Yes, but not many and not most. I hear people all the time, they say, well, well, you just don't think, you think that if I've got anxiety, I've got depression, then that I'm not right with God. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this, the same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that wants to heal you. And he does not desire for, for those of us uh, that are born again to have to deal with things like depression, anxiety, and bipolar. I hear a lot of doctors, they want to diagnose people with these type of things and they want to give them a pill. But the reality is we need Jesus Christ in our life. Listen, by his stripes, we are the healed of God. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save you and he will deliver you. I don't believe that many of us, that, that, that many that have been diagnosed with these bipolar and, and manic and all these other things are truly uh, have these things. I think many of them have unforgiveness. Many of them are, are struggling because of their sin. Banishment is our choosing, but it's not God's plan. 
Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. Listen to this. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You say, well, I haven't done that, haven't you? How many of us will will say, well, I'm going to go fishing instead of going to the house of God. I'm going to go to the football game instead of go to the house of God. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do these other things and, and, and I'll get to God in time. We put all kinds of other things in place of, of going to God. I'm not saying that, that, that church is the answer. A relationship with Jesus is the answer. But God said, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. He wants us to be in unity with other believers. He wants us to be in the house of God, worshiping Him and spending time with Him. I've heard people say this. They say, well, I can worship God my bass boat. You're not worshiping God. You're sitting there fishing. You're doing other things. Your mind is not on the things of God. We need to get our hearts right and quit making idols in this world. Sports cannot be an idol. The lust of the flesh cannot be an idol. We need to make Jesus Christ Lord of our life and we need to get serious with God. God did not choose to kick Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. They chose to sin, forfeiting the garden and then four were exiled and banished. God did not choose for his children to be exiled to Babylon or Persia, but it was their sin that separated them from God and his promised land. God does not want any of us to be away from him. It is the choices that we make when we turn from him and choose to sin rather than walk in his righteousness. Understand this, we all are going to die and we don't know when but we don't have to die lost. We all all have been banished. We have all been separated from God because of our choices to sin, but he desires us to come back to him and to repent. Number three, you need to understand this. God has made a way. God has made a way. 2 Samuel 14, 14 says, but he devises a means so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. He devises a means. God has a plan. In Genesis, he revealed his plan. In Genesis 3.15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God has devised a way to bring the banished back to him. God has made a way for those that have been exiled to come back to a relationship with him, that we may not be expelled from him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. People say, well, if God loves me, then why doesn't he get me out of this mess? They say, well, if God loves mankind, why does he allow them to go through these things? If God loves us, then why would he allow us to go to hell? Let me just tell you something today. David knew right from wrong, but he chose to do wrong and committed adultery. Absalom knew right from wrong, but he chose to do wrong and murder and manipulate and take things into his own hands. We know right from wrong. We know when we're in sin. 
Listen, I, I tell people all the time, I first started smoking and drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana when I was seven years old. I knew that it was wrong. I didn't grow up in church, but I knew right from wrong. We know right from wrong. We've all been given a measure of faith. Romans chapter three says, for for I say through uh, the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That measure of faith was placed in us at creation. God spoke everything into existence. He spoke the stars in the sky. He spoke the sun and the moon. He spoke the trees and the grass and the fish. He spoke the elephant into existence, but he touched mankind. He breathed into our nostrils. He put a measure of faith in our spirit so that at the right time, we knew that we needed a God. We needed a savior. We needed a deliverer and that we would cry out to him. He placed it in us so that we would know right from wrong. You know when you're doing wrong. You know when you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. The measure of faith is so that a sinner knows that he needs a Savior. The measure of faith is to know that when we're wrong, we need to do right. The measure of faith says that there has to be a better way. Man, I know when I was in the midst of my addiction, when I thought I was at the rock bottom, I knew that there had to be a better way. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation is overtaken except which such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. Listen, I know Paul's talking to the church. I know Paul's talking to Christian people. I know he's telling Christian people. He said, listen, if you've been tempted, God's made a way of mistake, a way of escape. But I'm telling you, if you're not right with God, he's made that same way of escape for you. And it's through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. God made a way. When we are tempted, when we have fallen short, when we have turned from God, he is still right there waiting for us to call out to him. The way of escape is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Christ. Galatians 1 4 says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. The way is through the person and work of Jesus. The how is that he stood in the place of guilty sinners and hung on a cross and received the punishment that we deserved. The why is that God devised a plan for fallen humanity. His name is Jesus. God does not want you far away. God desires us to be near. God does not want us to be exiled. He wants us to be reconciled. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. David's sin was great and he repented and cried out to God. The psalmist said as he was praying and crying out, he said, have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Oh, I, I, I beg you, if you're listening and if you're, if you're not where you need to be with God, pray as David prayed in Psalm 51. Cry out to God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Blood, help my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly with the blood of Jesus from all of my iniquity. Listen, Absalom's sin was great, but he chose to run from God instead of to God. He ran from the king and he manipulated and he lied. 
Instead of following King David's example, King David ran to God. He ran to God and he died to his sin. He ran to God and he repented of his evil. God has made a way of escape for you and I. The wedding has been prepared. You have been invited. The bridegroom is present. Will you make a decision today to make him Lord of your life? Will you make a decision today that he will be your forever Lord? In the natural, for a wedding, we say, till death do us part. But when we say, I do to Jesus, Jesus says back to us, and we will never be apart. God has made a way. Will you accept him as your Lord? Will you cry out to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Would you come to the bridegroom? Would you run to him and not run from him? Would you get right today with Jesus? Today is the day of salvation. He has prepared the hall. The invitation has gone out. And he's just waiting for you to come and say, Lord, I do. I submit to you. I repent of my sins. I ask to be reconciled to you. Lord, I receive your way. Father, I thank you so much for your word that is truth. I thank you so much for the opportunity to minister your word. I thank you, Father God, for each and every one that's listening. And I pray today that someone has heard this word. And today, Father God, they are going to cry out to you. And they're going to get their heart right with you. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do in us, through us, and with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Precious, precious saint, if today was your day, I ask you to reach out to us here at Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland. Let us know how we can pray for you and encourage you and help you. If you're, if you're listening today and you say, I know that I'm right with God, but, but today I needed this word. I needed to be encouraged today. If, if we've been encouragement to you, I ask that you, you again reach out to us. Continue to listen to this podcast. I want to invite you to the wedding event. The wedding event that is taking place every night at 7 p.m. Yes, I said every night. Every single night at 7 p.m. at New Beginning Assembly of God, 2193 West Broad Street, Cookville, Tennessee. You can also watch us online at The Wedding Cookville on Facebook. Uh, go to Facebook Live and go to The Wedding Cookville. Again, we'd love for you to come out. We're gonna get, we have different preachers every night, different worship. It's just a great time of the Lord. We're expecting a great awakening, and we'd love for you to be a part. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.